BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm film critic Gary Cogill, and welcome to Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. Today, we're going to dive into the long-awaited DC comic book film starring Will Smith and Margot Robbie. It's appropriately called Suicide Squad. (laughs) And one of my favorite films of the year just came out on demand and on Blu-ray and on DVD, and it's a beauty from John Carney. It is called Sing Street. I'm wine expert Haley Hamilton Cogill. Pairing this week's feature, Suicide Squad, wasn't the easiest (laughs) thing for me. But I think I've come up with a few sweet and savory ideas that should please your summertime palate perfectly. And before we start, though, I did want to do a little thank you, shout out to our buddy Randy Sutherland for telling us the home base in the Star Trek Beyond movie is called Yorktown. Yorktown! Thank you. So the thing that you said looked like a... A giant gerbil (laughs) wheel. (laughs) It's Yorktown. And they're all spinning around trying to get out of there. Yes. Okay, we both went to see Suicide Squad the other night, and I'm going to talk about this like it's two different movies. So the first half of the film, (laughs) I'm going to say I actually liked it, and it's edgy and weird and inappropriate and you know it's it's pg-13 it really needs to be an r but it, you know it's a it's a, it's a group of bad guys and viola davis steps in as the intelligence officer and she decides to assemble a team of really dangerous they're all incarcerated supervillains. they all look like hannibal lecters in their own cages for some secret and <laughs> so she's going to drag them out and and uh they've got to help her in order to become Good guys. So it's like supervillains trying to become good guys. And they got nothing to lose. They have nothing to lose. And if they die, they die. But if they win, they, they, they get clemency or they, they get some time off. And I'm just going to say Will Smith is dead shot. This is a DC comic book film. It's full of characters that I don't follow all of the time. Yeah. And frankly, for the first hour, I kind of cared about them. And I thought, this is really It's interesting to kind of yeah. see them... Their, how they were being developed. I yeah, mean, they're yeah. trying to get them all together. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and seeing their background and and what they what what they did to get them there. Well, Jared Leto's in in there, and he's also the Joker. Yeah. So they're, they're you know the DC Comics is cross pollinating. You'll see Batman in the film, mm-hmm. and the Joker's in there, and so they're not really fighting the Joker, but they are fighting the Joker. They have a bad guy. It's a female ghost. But but it's uh, they're fighting the Joker and they're fighting the bad guy. It's I I got really confused about halfway through witch. this film. Yeah, it's a witch. Oh, she's a witch. She, look, <laughs> she looks like one. The second half of this, second half of this film, I'm just going to tell you flat out that I couldn't leave fast enough. Thought it was one of the worst movies of the year. It just was... the second half. It's like they end with a big thing like Ghostbusters. Yeah, big bolts of you know jolted lightning hitting up in the sky and. 
every all the debris swirling around. We've seen it in a million films, and it just made no sense. It, just, it was just stupid. Thank you. <laughs> Haley turned to me halfway through Batman versus Superman and said, "This movie is so stupid." And I looked at her and said, "Yes, it is." <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a fan. No, and I'm, they they can be better, and they have been better. But but uh, Suicide Squad is a half of a film for me, and that's not enough for yeah, me. Yeah, I thought yeah. the first half was it was interesting to to see who these people were, but then it just got really stupid. So yeah, if I'm gonna try. Trying to pair this has been has been tough for me, and so I'll start out with this. There were a show about about wine and film, and if I could recommend. Some wine, it might be one of the kitschy wines that you buy for the funny name or the funny label, like the bitch wine or <laughs> say it again, Angry Frog. Say or the name of that label, bitch wine. Thank you. Or arrogant bastard. Um, the only thing I really, really wanted to drink with this stupid movie was a extra, 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 extra dirty Tito's vodka martini <laughs> with. Blue cheese stuffed olives. Yes. Preferably after watching this, sitting on a beach at the Four Seasons, <laughs> la la la, to get that, the, the vision of this film out of my head. Yeah. But um, I did want to at least have some sort of, of wine pairing with this. Yeah, film. but uh, can I just say the martini's a perfect pairing? A, a dirty martini with all these dirty people, it's kind of ideal, I think. Or maybe a Bloody Mary with all these just really, really, really stupid I'm sorry. I I, I thought Margot well, Robbie was cute. I thought she was cute, it. but she's also kind of inappropriately sexy it, exactly. in the movie. But I mean, that's the point of it. But it's just stupid. You know, we're going to get back to this in a minute. Okay, but okay. I do want to throw out. I I will say one new wine that we just tried. Um, maybe it's it's something to help signify that a better place for all of these unlikely superheroes. If Super we want to call super them, whatever I they know, are, whatever they are, um, new wine called Love and Hope. It's a rosé. It's made um, by Chef Tim Love from uh, Fort Worth and winemaker Austin Hope in Paso Robles, and they came together really the the duo came together because they wanted to make a a delicious refreshing easy to drink like their best representation of what a a thirst quenching rosé should be it's syrah mouved and grenache um juicy high acid lots of fruit really really just kind of an easy summertime wine so that i i will say i will give a little love and hope in hopes for these lovely super villain. <laughs> so let me wrap my head around what you just said. We just sat through Suicide Squad, which was half of a film, and then half of one of the worst films ever. And 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 you paired a martini with it. But if you've got to do a wine, do a rosé. And I and I a love and hope because we want to have redemption for these people. <laughs> and you know what's great about that love and hope? It's pr- it probably costs less than going to the movie. It's, um, it's like a twenty dollar bottle. Yeah. 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 So, and and there's good rosés for 20 bucks. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I would rather spend um, what we spent on movie tickets for for my dirty martini any day. Uh, note of trivia uh, before we go to a break. Uh, Jared Leto has a band, you know. He's, yes. He's had a band for years called 30 Seconds to Mars. They've sold 15 million albums worldwide. Wow. I had no clue that they were that popular. I know. 
He won the Oscar for Dallas Buyers Club. Yes, he did. He was great. We're going to take a quick break on wine and film, A Perfect Pairing. And when we come back, Haley's going to pair uh, some wines with uh, one of our favorite films just out on Blu-ray. It's called Sing Street. In fact, we love all the films from Irish director John Carney. And we will be right back. And we're back on Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing, with a movie we both love and admire. In fact, three movies from the same director that we just can't stop watching. The latest is called Sing Street, but it's also the director of Begin Again and Once. It's the great John Carney. So we saw Sing Street together. Yeah. We walk into the movie theater, and we have a background with Once. We have a background with Begin Again, but you never know. And these are 16-year-olds in the 1980s on the streets of Dublin, Ireland, and they're geeky, goofy kids. They don't have girlfriends. Nobody thinks they're cool. They really aren't, but they kind of are because they form a band because they like Duran Duran and other stuff like that. <laughs> Culture and, club. And they form an 80s band in order to get girls and really fight off bullies. Yeah. In fact, at one point, the, the great turn in the film is uh, at one point, the bully becomes kind of a significant character in their lives. And and it's because of the music. This is a film, John Carney, the, the great Irish director, makes movies about music and the love of writing songs. They're not, you think they might become movies about promiscuity, about sex, about, but it's really about music. His movies always have a tenderness and a kindness to them mm-hmm. where people actually listen and they write songs and they perform the songs and the songs have meaning. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, I, I, I just, I, I look at, I look at Sing Street and I think it fits into the canon of those three films. Absolutely. Really, really, really well. Well, and there's songs that, that the words mean something. And how many, how many songs do you hear now that, that somebody's just repeating the exact same thing over and over again instead yes. of having some, a, a base and something that, that actually, tells a story it's there's each each song is its own story and great storytelling i think is something that we both love when how many movies do we watch with 16 year olds that we're interested in yeah yeah but we're interested in these kids uh, they're great they're like great kids yeah and they're wide-eyed with wonder they have so much hope inside of them and and then again i go back to the music you know john carney did once back in 2007 i'll never forget he he flies to dallas and he comes with Glenn Hansard and Marquetta Erglova, the two stars of the movie once, which was made for no money. It was made as a movie to really sell out of the trunk of their car when they did gigs. And they come on a morning show that I was hosting in Dallas, and, and they sing the two songs that went on and won an Oscar. And I'll never forget seeing that and watching that thing. This is special. To be able to recognize what's special, nobody had ever heard of them or knew who they were. And then we both love Begin Again. Oh, we love Begin Again. Kira Knightley, Mark Ruffalo. Adam, Adam Levine. Levine. <laughs> well, and I think we had a, a kind of special connection with that film to start with. It, the original title was How a Song Can Save Your Life, and it um, debuted in Toronto when, when we were up there for Words and Pictures right. and and sold for a very, very high dollar amount. So we were kind of highly anticipating it. We didn't get to see it while we were in Toronto, but we were we were anticipating the film when it came out. They changed the title. I wish they hadn't of because I think how a song can save your life is such a a perfect title for this beautiful, beautiful film. And yes. then 
it was on, you know, it was, it, we have the soundtrack. We, it, it's, I won't put it in the Shawshank realm of films that you kind of stop down for when, when you see it on, but we do kind of watch this film a okay, lot. Okay, it came on the other morning, about four or five mornings ago, and we stopped down and watched the whole thing. Yeah, and right. I just and, love and it. And we still get teary-eyed. And I get teary-eyed, and I sing the songs, and and it's such a, it's a beautiful story, and, and Mark Ruffalo and Keira Knightley, they could, they could get together throughout the entire thing, but they don't because their whole purpose is is to make good music. Yeah. And, and, and they don't because he also loves his wife, and... She's supposed to love Adam Levine, but I'm glad she doesn't. Once again, they mis- they misdirect. <laughs> yeah, because it's really about the joy of writing songs. Yeah, and how music can change your life, and 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 how to perform them, and they they involve. I think that's the other side. They they walk the streets of New York. They celebrate the beauty of New York yeah. in in every aspect, from subway to rooftop, and it's just so beautiful. It's yeah. so beautiful. I hope you get to see all three once, begin again, and most recently. Sing Street. Yeah. All right, let's talk wine a little bit. So, a um, couple weeks ago, talked about Merlot and love Merlot and think the the kind of soft juiciness of Merlot would also be perfect with any of these wines. But I think something that's maybe for a, a good pairing with these very warm kind of stories of dreams and hopes and desires and great storytelling, one of my favorite varieties, uh, the Right Bank kind of partner to Merlot and many incredible Bordeaux wines, Cabernet Franc. Um, I think Cab Franc is is the most harmonious of the Bordeaux varieties. It has kind of the floral, herbal, um, kind of pencil lead and graphite notes to the more robust Cabernet and the roundness of Merlot. Um, it's often kind of mistreated and misunderstood um if it is not if it's picked too early it can be very green and very vegetal and kind of add that green pepper note that that is is not as very off-putting in wine but when it's it's allowed to fully ripen and and to become everything that it should be um, it has just such such incredible blackberry and violets and pencil lead and and soft herbs that that create just such a, a an approachable and inviting palate and a, a great um, blending partner to many many great wines, great Bordeaux wines. Um, as I said, the the right bank pretty much every um, right bank so Saint Emilion, Pomerol, um, Bordeaux, Merlot, and Cap Franc. Um, a couple of favorites though that we do love. Um, talked a couple of weeks ago about Pierre Salon, um, who made the Valadorna Merlot from Tuscany, but kind of his whole love is is Cab Franc, and that's why he started his Verite wines in Sonoma um, and Ar- Arcanum, that is the Tuscany, kind of the high-end Tuscan wine that he makes. Um, just luscious and lively the Lahota Cab Franc um, from Howell Mountain in Napa Valley also beautiful beautiful wine um, Walla Walla actually does this uh, variety really well as well the one favorite that we have is the Spring Valley Vineyards Catherine Cab Franc I've loved that wine since the very like this the first time I tasted it probably I don't know 10 years ago 
we both said, wow. And they don't make it every year, but when they do, it's definitely something special. They don't make it every year because the grapes aren't good enough? Um, they It's it, it's often used as a blending grape, so to, to pull it out on its own and make it into a single variety wine, one, it's they, they make such a small amount of it, they don't grow a lot of it, and so they want to make sure that, that it is good enough to actually be bottled on its own. Um, and then another, a couple other ones, and we one that we 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 drank a lot of Chinon wines when we were in Paris, and that's kind of the the perfect light red wine for summertime. It's often served slightly chilled, um, really kind of refreshing. So the the Loire um, Chinon, the the wines of some more. Uh, one favorite though that that I think is kind of proving the the quality of of Cab Franc and Loire is Chateau de Villeneuve that um, I I also love his Samour Blanc that's a Chenin Blanc but he makes this beautiful 100% Cab Franc from organically grown vines really really ripe fruit with great graphite um, kind of soft herb notes. And 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 a really nice subtlety without being overly extracted, which I think is kind of the the key. It's he he manages those he, the vines very well to kind of produce this really really aromatic, inviting, beautiful wine. Is Cab Franc traditionally low in alcohol content? Um, it's I think that it it should be. I mean, it's an old world wine that, but I think so many winemakers allow it to to become overly ripe. So you you can have, I mean, typically most Bordeaux reds, if you look at a, a bottle of a Bordeaux red right or left bank, it's going to be about 12, 5 or 13% alcohol. And that's kind of normal, but in, in areas that are hotter, and so you're going to get riper fruit, um, alcohol levels do do tend to go up. And, and if the acidity is is in check, then then it can still be balanced. But some of these alcohol levels are just getting a little. Well, the alcohol extreme. levels in red, especially in California. Yeah, absolutely. You look I mean, at some of these infidels, and they're like sixteen sixteen five percent alcohol, and that's just it's a fruit bomb. You can't that it's hard to to really enjoy them and appreciate them for everything that they can be because they're just not nuanced then you kind of you you have so much fruit that you lose all the other characteristics and and then you you know then you also get a little blasted just by you know <laughs> drinking a half a glass of wine speaking of blasted so in begin again yeah. which is the middle of the john carney films i love james corden oh he's so great film. he's got the talk show yeah. late at night now yeah but he's he's the pal. He's the buddy. She sleeps on his couch yeah. when she splits up with her boyfriend. But they help put the band together, and the guy can play and the guy can sing. He's great. You know, when he does his carpool karaoke's are great. Yeah, because he can actually sing, and he's hilarious, and he's he's perfect in that role. And he where he he what is he he loses into his <laughs> he lives at the top of a bunk, and yes. the only way to get in it is to pounce and luge all the way up there. He's hilarious. And sometimes he doesn't. He loses right into the, <laughs> into to the, the wall. <laughs> to the bottom of it. Hey, when we return, Haley and I have a couple of questions for each other, so don't go away. We have lots more to share on Wine and Film, A Perfect Bearing. We are back on Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing, and time now for a question or two for each other. So I have a question first for you, Haley. Um, 
So here's the deal. I, I learn a lot about wine from you. This is really fun. When I drink wine that I love, especially a really good wine, a really good red wine, and often it might be a more expensive red wine, there are two things I always enjoy the most, but I've never been able to articulate it. I like my red wine kind of silky smooth. I don't know what that means. And I often enjoy kind of a smoky, even a chalky. Chalky. Uh, chalky. Or more of a smoky flavor on the back end. So let's talk about silky smooth first. What, is, what does that mean? Well, I think that we tend to like wines that have a little bit of age on them um, in general, so especially red wines. And so we've kind of maybe allowed some of the tannins to to become very nicely integrated. You hope that when you buy a bottle of wine that the tannins will, tannin structure will always already be um, well integrated, but... Um, we we do tend to like a wine with a little bit of age, so those tannins kind of they they say they call it the tannins have kind of fallen out, and mm-hmm. so you are just left with this very nice luscious um, kind of character. I think that also you and kind of some of the smoky notes that you you sometimes tend to like, and the chocolate and the spice and and those things as well as a kind of nicely integrated palate is the the oak program that that different red wines will use. Um, Obviously, a lot of wineries talk about how they either ferment and age their wines in either a a tank or in oak. And traditional, a lot of wineries uh, prefer to use French oak. Some wineries use American oak. There's Hungarian oak. There's all different kinds of of oak that the different wineries will choose to use based on kind of whatever their, their goal is. French oak is one that... Um, is most sought after. It's very expensive, but the um, the the flavors that the oak imparts will um, add that kind of chocolate notes or spice notes, um, espresso, those kinds of things. And then the grain structure, which I think also adds to kind of that smoky, sm- that silky smooth palate. Um, the the grain on a lot of French oaks actually allows. Uh, air to come into the barrel as it's aging, and that um, kind of helps soften the wine initially. So that's that's probably kind of the, the oak program and then how the tannins are, are integrated. So the oak the on the back taste is what I'm tasting and that I like so much. And then this the, it's the tannins that make it the, the well-structured tannins. Yes, yeah. And a badly structured wine, when I open it and take a sip and look at you like, Oh, my God. I don't want to drink that. Oh, my God. I'm usually, I'm probably saying it's too young or the tannins or they're, or they're just not in harmony at all. Or it, it needs a lot more, or it needs a lot more air. It needs time. It needs air. If you think about any okay. bottle of wine, it's been, that, that wine's been sitting in that, that bottle for a while. And so that's what the beauty of all of these different decanters and aerators and, and tools that you should use. You need to get some, some air in it. And often, if it is a wine that is really young, we'll decant it. Most people think you only decant an older wine, and that's certainly true. But the a lot of the reason you decant the older wine is to make sure you don't you can pull the sediment out for, that's sitting at the bottom of of your your bottle of, of aged wine. Some people like to chew on that. Sediment. If you don't want to, you know, chew, <laughs> chew on all of the the grit in the bottom bottom of the wine. But some of these young wines. Like we kind of throw it into a decanter and and swirl it around. Yeah, blend it. To, Put it in the blender. Let's go. You need to get some. You you need to get some air in there. You yeah. need to to kind of um, um, soften some of the flavors a little bit. All right. So, I, I, I get it. Thanks. Okay, and and I'm just gonna ask you this because it just it it just drives me insane. 
it, like every other movie that comes out right now, and I just don't understand it. And I know that I it's I'm not the it's not I'm not the genre. It's not they're not going after me. I'm not their target demo audience. But why are there so many comic book movies? <laughs> because they make so much money. I just don't get it. They're tentpole movies, and that that book that we'll recommend forever called Sleepless in Hollywood by Linda Opes, who produced Sleepless in Seattle, is all about these big tentpole movies and how they're kind of corrupting Hollywood. And they, I mean, that movie, Suicide Squad cost, I don't know what it cost, but it's got to be 140, 150 yeah. million. Yeah. At least. And these, these big movies are behind a, between 100 and 200 million dollars. And at some point that bubble is going to burst, but it's because they keep making so much money and, and you're not going to see the $10 million film or the $15 million, you know, small budget yeah. relationship movie as much. You'll get them once in a while. Independent filmmakers like us mm-hmm. would maybe mm-hmm. do that, but mm-hmm. for the most part, they don't get made. And all these, that's why everything's so good on television because all the good writing's yeah. going there. But back to your question, Marvel comics and DC comics and the comic book thing is that, and it's been the thing I'm going to say for, 10 years now. Well, this has been going on a long time. It seems like and I don't even know if this is the right time frame, but but several years ago it seems like we had the writer strike. Right. And and a lot of of the films that were being maybe written changed and I think that the the onset then of of having the ability to watch any TV program at any point that you wanted to whether it was on demand, whether it was DVR, that a lot of writers, instead of writing for traditional Hollywood, have now gone to write for for TV. Right, and there's no nobody's hiring them in Hollywood because they're not making those movies. And you're right, they go to TV and they do better work. Yeah, I think they're doing better work. There's such great. There's so many great series available now, there and are. on 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 little cable networks that you know before this. You know, I mean, who knew that A and E would do Breaking Bad? AMC. AMC. Yeah. I mean, but that's yeah. just it. If you think about it, AMC, is what American Movie Classics, and that what it used to be? Yes. Isn't that when they started, yes. and then yes. they they come out with something like you know, like Breaking Bad and Walking Dead and yes. Saul and <laughs> great stuff. Yeah, really. We can, good we can name stuff. about thirty of them. And, I mean, we can, well, yeah. and then you look at what Netflix is doing, and and with different things like Chef's Table, and, and I mean they've created an entire land house of cards. They've created an entire platform, yeah, they have. which is just fascinating. So I'm hoping the bubble bursts because I'm 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 I find these movies tedious. But there's enough fanboys and fangirls out there that are 14 to, to, to 16 hear, to 24 year olds to hear the the applause and the gasps and the excitement and when a new character would show up in Suicide Squad and then they kind of did a little preface for what's I guess coming next and everybody got all excited I know I was looking for a Pokemon Go character and I didn't see one (laughs) but no the fanboy they all gasp because oh maybe the Flash is going to show up in one of these or so and so and I'm not I know I'm not that I'm not their audience about the details of it but but it is it certainly is has kind of but they're making so much money they can't stop so when they stop making money, they'll stop making those movies. Okay, I have a question for you. Why is why why are I think I know the answer, but I want to hear it from you. I'm not sure. Why are most winemakers men? And and is is it traditionally over history? I mean, men have been you know ruling for years, and so winemaking came along with that. And as we see the you know the gender gap closing and change as we get older and older in our culture but i don't see that many female winemakers from around the world or are there more than ever right now why are there so many men directors and producers and studio heads presidents (laughs) well i think that um, if you look at it historically 
the uh, I'll say old world wine regions, so European wine regions. Um, the vintners and the winemakers, you you had you had two choices. You were either if you if you had land to own vines, you were either a nobility or you were monks. You were the monastery, and so just traditionally, the monks made all the wines, and then they sold them to the nobility, and they might have had vineyard workers. You, you might have been a worker. You might have been a uh, you know working in the the fields and the vines, but you mostly mostly men kind of came up through the ranks, and and it's because the monastery or the monks were who was actually making the wines. It is interesting though because there are certainly some regions that have tend to have more women than than men as winemakers. Rias Bosch's is one that was one of the greatest surprises in going to to visit the region. Of how, it was just seeing how many female-led wineries there there are but i think that's because the it's a it's a it's kind of a, a seamen's community it's it's the men kind of went off to 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 work on the boats and to to be either fishermen or or you know harvesting oysters and mussels and and so they were while they were off being fishermen the women were left at home to manage the house and to manage the you know the kind of family crops that always was you yep. know, both the, the vegetables and, and the, the livestock and everything that they would use for their own personal cons- consumption and every single household that always had a few vines. So kind of through the years, women have, have kind of taken, taken that role. And so it's know. a real historical, I mean, we're watching history change mm-hmm. in front of us all the time. I mean, for years, Women couldn't be actors. Yeah, You're back in Shakespeare's day or early, early absolutely. Shakespeare. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, there's all kinds of things. It's interesting to see that that kind of industry change. And you know, I, I've I, I see more and more female winemakers because I'm introduced yeah. to them through you, and it always excites me to see them because they're so earnest and they know they've been a part. They've broken into the boys' club. Yeah. Well, I just think that that there's the passion. I think the if the passion's there, whether you're a man or a woman, that's really what what matters. Yeah. Some people might say that a female's palate is um, better than men's, and uh, you know, I I always applaud those people that say that. But hey, I'm going to say this about movies: a good film's a good film, whether yeah. it's made by a man or a it woman. It doesn't matter. I, yeah, and, and, written by a man or a woman, directed, acted, a good film's a good film. Good, exactly, and a great bottle of wine, no matter who makes it or yeah. who 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 owns the winery, who's making the wine. If it's a good bottle, then you just celebrate that it's a good bottle. Hey, so. I learned a lot today. That was fun. Uh, next week, we're going to explore two new films coming out in local theaters, including the Disney remake of Pete's Dragon <laughs> with uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. We'll explain how she got her name. And the great Meryl Streep records an album and sings intentionally off-key in the true story of Florence Foster Jenkins. I can't wait. Me too. Uh, For more on any of the wines or films that we talked about today, check out our blog on our website and be sure to follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Cogill. To see what we're drinking now, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Dallas Uncorked. And with that, I'm Gary Cogill. And as usual, I'm looking for the next great film. And I'm Haley Hamilton Cogill, always in search of a great glass of wine. Join us next time on Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. 
It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.